live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Do you have fatigue about this in the offseason, the quarterback situation? No, I think it's, it's part of my job, you know, so and this is obviously a big topic that uh, our fans and, and people want to know about. So it's um, it really, you know, at the same time, certainly there'll be other discussions we'd love to have, but um, it, it doesn't fatigue me. It's just um, uh, it's been pretty constant for a long time now. This is the Press Box. We're going through a process as normal, so obviously free is coming up here, and that's an important part of what we're doing, so it'd be nice to have some answers before then, but uh, until we have any conversations, we're, we're still in a good spot. With Grady and Bischoff. You know, the requirements have changed. You know, height, size, you know, there's certain people that, you know, can do things with their legs that, you know, others got, other guys can't. Um, big arms, you know, less less than that, something less than that. So um, it's not one size fits all, uh, but I think there's a lot of things you're looking for if you're going to commit to them. On ESPN Las Vegas. You know, 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 you know. It's like they're talking about. He, he included every every type of, I think he was talking about quarterbacks. Every type of quarterback you could have, not a big arm, small, big, uh, big arm. Uh, young, uh, old. You got to cover Bryce Young and Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota in the same in the, <laughs> the same whole spectrum. It was like, like I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with him when he was talking about quarterbacks yesterday. That Just music was McDaniels. very intense, Jared. For for combine quotes, you want to you <laughs> pre combine quotes. You want to know that the name of that royalty free song was Intensity Southwest Quarterback. <laughs> Makes it seem way too serious as to what we're going to talk about today. It's being a Southwest quarterback is serious. Uh, I don't know if we'll get to it today because he didn't actually say much, but Aaron Rodgers was on uh, a podcast with a guy named Aubrey Marcus. Oh, God. And uh, if you go to Aubrey Marcus, if you Google him, his website, it just pops up and says, Awake in the Darkness. Oh no, the darkness! Everyone, what's with this guy in the dark? <laughs> with this Rogers kid in the dark? What is with this guy? Aubrey Marcus is the founder of a globally disruptive brand. Oh no, God. that's what you want. Based on holistic health philosophy, he okay. calls total human optimization. Oh, okay. Jesus! All right. So okay. Rogers finally found his doctor, who's not a doctor. <laughs> uh, Jared, you'll like this. Uh, Aubrey Marcus has produced several documentaries. Uh, they are titled "Awake in the Darkness." Dragon of the Jungle, and just ayahuasca. Oh, good lord. <laughs> and this is who, emerging from the darkness, Rogers went to first. Yes, this is the first person he Didn't talked to. Didn't even go to. to Pat McAfee first. Nope, no Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee has been dumped because Pat McAfee is not emerge, awakening not in the darkness. not awakening from the darkness. That's right. Uh, but Aubrey Marcus is, and that's who Aaron Rodgers talked to. <sighs> <laughs> New studio. <laughs> the first bite. Are the Raiders going to draft a quarterback in the first round? Well, listening to Big Small, Old and Young yesterday, you Josh know, Daniels, uh, you know, <laughs> um, he certainly seemed, his quotes certainly seemed to shade towards a younger guy or a guy who'd be with them for a long time. Now, I don't know if that means free agents or, or drafting. But I thought when I read it and listening to him and watching the the video of him, he was saying he wants a younger guy. So one of the quotes McDaniels gave yesterday that I thought was one of the more interesting ones. The goal for us eventually is to have somebody that's going to be here for a long time. 
You see the teams that are having success right now in our league, our conference, and especially in our division. They're young players that were drafted by their clubs and they're being developed there under the same continuity. So mm-hmm. McDaniels with that quote is definitely looking out and seeing Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, Allen, and saying, oh boy, we got our we got a, a tall Long mountain to climb to catch what those teams are doing. And so ideally, you draft a quarterback and that guy becomes the, uh, one of those, yeah, position. one of those guys, right. and we're talking about whoever they draft in that same breath. But the thought, the part that I thought was interesting is you compare that with what Dave Ziegler said mm-hmm. earlier, because in February Dave Ziegler gave that quote of, "However we fill the quarterback position, it doesn't mean we're going to have an immediate answer this year." Which would mean probably a first round draft pick is a quarterback, right? So, I, I think. I, there's a little bit of contradiction there, but I also think both of them have talked enough about the position that they've kind of just said we could go any direction. Mm-hmm. Because even McDaniel's talked a little bit about free agency yesterday and and evaluating every player Getting that's a lot available. Of in the room, right? So I think what we've got is McDaniel's and Ziggler don't have a quarterback, and every time they do an interview or a press conference or something. They're going to kind of give a bunch of quotes that ultimately say, hey, we could sign a free agent quarterback. We could could draft draft one in the first round. We could draft one in the fourth round, whatever it is. They're not really giving us too much other than, hey, we don't have a quarterback and we need one. Could the free agent, (laughs) could it be as simple as Jarrett Stidham is your bridge and you draft a guy at the seventh pick or you trade up and draft somebody? I I think so. I I mean, mean, I think that's a a, free agent. Right. I think that's a legitimate. possible outcome is that you get Stidham and you draft somebody. And to be completely honest, the way they've talked about it, maybe it's Stidham and they don't draft a quarterback at seven and they draft one at the third round or something like that. Maybe it's Hendon Hooker. Maybe it's Max Duggan in the fifth round right. or something. And they're like, yeah, let's let's see what Stidham does and see if see this, this rookie's any develop. good. Yeah, And if not, then next year we'll figure out the quarterback position if we need to draft one or sign one in free agency. But I would say this of all the scenarios that the coach and the GM have laid out. I think when Josh McDaniels talks about seeing the success of the other quarterbacks in the division, the young guys, when he talks about, Hey, you got to have your Mahomes, your burrow, your Allen type quarterback. I think they're drafting a quarterback. I think they are too. Now, obviously there's four quarterbacks considered for the first round. They pick seven. There is a chance that all four quarterbacks are gone yeah, before the Raiders trade pick. up. Right. And maybe that happens and the Raiders are just like, ah, all right, I guess we're going to have to take the somebody in the later happen. rounds. Yeah. And we take a different position there. But I think more likely than not, the Raiders use their first round pick on a quarterback. Maybe they trade up to get one. Maybe they just sit at seven and let Levis or Richardson fall to them and take one. But it certainly appears as though they're going to take a shot on a first-round quarterback and see if they can hit on a Mahomes, a well, Herbert, a Burrow, and Allen. If they hit on it correctly, good for them. They'll be here they'll for be, a long time. Be, the guy will be here for a long yep. time if they if they don't mess this up. I want to read you something that Vic Tafer wrote that I thought was fascinating because it's a question I've been asking a lot this offseason about what's the goal of the Raiders? Are they Is everything about winning the Super Bowl as quickly as possible, or do they just want to be competitive and maybe win a Super Bowl? Vic Tafer wrote, 
The Raiders general manager doesn't have to draft a quarterback with the number seven pick in the draft. He doesn't have to trade up to get one. He doesn't have to sign an expensive free agent either. And that's because there is no pressure to win now from owner Mark Davis. Okay. Um, win now, meaning win a Super Bowl now, or win now getting to the playoffs now? I'm So when I read that, my main takeaway is that this 2023 team doesn't have to be an all-in team. Mm-hmm. The, the, the front office, the head coach, they do not have to maximize everything to make 2023 as good as possible. That there is, from the ownership standpoint, a little bit of a look to the future and say, okay, if, if we're not going to be true contenders in 2023... What do we do to be true contenders in 2024 or beyond that? I can't imagine he's looking too far in the future. But that, if that's true, that answers a big question that I've had. Because if that's the case, you can take your time. You don't have to throw everything at this season. You can eat some dead cap hits this year because right. you're trying to maximize 2024 instead of 2023. You can... You can draft a quarterback. You can draft Anthony Richardson, who everybody we talk to is like, hey, he's probably not going to be ready right away. You can draft him and play the guy right away because, if because tw- there's no pressure. Right. And then, hey, let him learn on the job and right. hopefully He'll in year two. The quarterback. Right. So that, I think, is one of the more interesting sentences I've read. Now, there wasn't, from everything I read yesterday, I didn't see McDaniels or... Uh, Dave Ziegler mentioned anything about, well, Mark Davis doesn't really need us to win right now. That was more of a report from right. Vic Tafer than directly out of the coach or the GM's mouth. But if that's the case, then the Raiders can basically take a two-year approach here and have everything be about 2024. Okay. Or maybe it's longer than that, but I'm just assuming it's a two-year approach. All right. Well, if it's right, then... I still think that I still think they're going to draft a quarterback I do in the too. first round. Yeah, I do too. I still think they're going to draft someone at seven or trade up. And if they do that and they hit it and they're not under pressure to go to the Super Bowl this year, then the, then I still play the guy. Oh yeah, and let him oh, yeah. develop. And whether he's good or bad, I guess it doesn't matter in the long run if this is you know if the, if that if that statement is true. Yeah, because the the worst thing that can happen is you draft a guy, don't play him, and then he turns out bad. Because right. if, if you draft play. him. Don't play him, then you don't find out if he's any good. And then if he's no good, then whew, boy, you might have wasted yeah. three or four years. Yeah. Whereas if you draft him and play him right away, and he's no good, at least then you can start making decisions. Now teams are often hesitant to move off a quarterback they took high, the Bears and Justin Fields, right? But at least you they start still to believe get, in Zach Wilson. Yeah, well, out there, they believe in him to be they the still backup. Believe in him. <laughs> They believe in him to be on the roster because they'd have to pay him <laughs> exactly. even if he wasn't on the roster. Uh, before we go to break, I am just seeing tweets. Uh, Jalen Carter, who is a defensive uh, tackle from Georgia, uh, who is a projected top five pick or whatever. He's one of like the two or three best non-quarterbacks in the draft. Jalen Carter is subject of an arrest warrant in Athens, Georgia, after being implicated by police for racing in the crash that took the life of a former teammate. I don't actually know the story of a former Georgia player dying in a car accident. Yeah, earlier after the national championship. Did I miss that? Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, yes, okay. It was right afterwards. 
Okay, so yeah. I do remember that story so now. He's being implicated as a... So according to this tweet from Seth Emerson, there's an arrest warrant for Jalen Carter, and he is, I guess, being accused of racing. Uh, that caused the death? That caused that crash. I will have to see how much more information comes out, but that is a top five pick in the draft, potentially, who is uh, going like, to get arrested, it seems, for a car accident that took a former teammate's life. So uh, there's your... Sad draft news yeah. to start the morning. But coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll jump into the Golden Knights and the NHL trade deadline. Look out, a turnover. Puck in front, and Colorado scores. Aiden Hill with a misplay deep in his own zone. Miko Rantanen strikes 14 seconds into the game. You're on the elevator up to the press box with Brady and Bischoff. We got some goalie news. First off, Laurent Brossois is on IR for the Golden Knights, which means he's got to be out a week. He's going to miss at least two games. And the Golden Knights goaltenders for the next two games are Aiden Hill and Michael Hutchinson. Uh, Golden Knights are in action tonight. Do you think we see Michael Hutchinson for the first time? Caroline and Jersey, maybe not. Maybe Montreal on Sunday. You think he wouldn't play him? Cassidy wouldn't play Hutchinson because their opponents are good? I just think that Aiden Hill gets the next two starts. Because Aiden Hill's kind of bad. Yeah. Like, it, I, it makes sense if there was a good goalie and you were like, oh, we're going to play the good one. I'll but Aiden he, Hill's been bad. I'll say Aiden Hill gets the next two starts. All right. I think you got. It. I think you have to play Hutchinson in one of them. Like, we've got a big enough sample size on Aiden Hill that says, yeah, you can't have that guy as your starting goalie. Maybe well, Hutchinson. Now. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> um, the other goalie news, the LA Kings traded for Jonas Corposalo last night. But they sent Jonathan Quick to Columbus. Who is not happy about it. Apparently not. He's not happy about this. Quick's trade. been with the Kings his entire career. It's been, I don't know, 15 years or something like that. Uh, they basically traded one of the biggest faces in franchise history mm-hmm. for Jonas Corposalo. The full trade actually was a first, a fourth, and Jonathan Quick to Columbus for Corposalo plus defenseman Vladislav Garikov, G- Gavrikov. Uh the Kings have the second worst save percentage in the NHL. Jonathan Quick has been atrocious this year. He is not good at all. That trade makes the Kings better. They mm-hmm. got a better they got a better goalie. Goaltender. But even me, someone that loves the numbers and would say, yeah, absolutely, you make the trade to make to get yourself better. God, that is rough to trade Jonathan Quick for half a seat for two months of Jonas Corposalo. Yeah. Like, that's brutal to do to and your he fan won base. Cups, and especially how popular he is in right. LA. Yeah. And listen, and I am all about, well, of course you make the trade that makes your team better, but that is brutal to do to your fan base. Like, the Golden Knights get a lot of flack for how they handled the Marc Andre Fleury situation, right? right? They, they had. A sort of face of the franchise goalie. They went and added Robin Leonard and then slowly kind of got rid of Marc oh, Andre Fleury. Fleury was here for like four years. Yeah. And granted, a lot of success in four years. Fan base loved him. That's like a third of the time Jonathan Quick yeah. was in LA. And Jonathan Quick won championships. He won, cu- he won cups in LA. And they dumped him for two months of Jonas Corposalo. Yeah. That is. And that's insane to me. It's a it's a good trade in terms of making your team better. That's an insane trade. They said though, overall. the uh, team was not happy last night. Kopitar did he score four? Uh, somebody had four last night. I, I can't remember who was. I, it probably it was. Been, it might have been Kopitar, 
who uh, walked off the ice, and obviously they heard the news or knew the news, and uh, his his face was not of a guy who played that well. God, that is rough. That's brutal. So the Kings get Corpusallo. If that team doesn't implode on itself, they're a little bit better, a little bit more of a concern right. in the Pacific because if Corpusallo, who has been he's been a good goalie this season, we talked about it earlier uh, in the week that his last two years he was actually really bad, but this year he's been very good. If he continues that, the Kings have a pretty good goalie. And the amazing thing. They caught him in points. The King, the Kings are in a playoff spot, could win the division, and mm-hmm. they've got the second worst save percentage in the Jeez. NHL. I, do, I don't understand that. That doesn't make much sense to me. Maybe he comes in and changes it. And if he does, the Kings the might Kings win the division. Win the, the Kings could win the Pacific. They've caught them in points. If they they're can, both at 72 now. If they can win games... With goalies never saving anything? What happens if Corpus Allo just makes like a save every now and then? <laughs> Kings are going to win the division. Kings will win every game 6-4. Yeah. Um, so there's your goalie news. We'll see what the Kings end up looking like. Uh, and we'll see who starts in goal for the Golden Knights All tonight. Right, so does this, him being on IR, do you think this hastens them trying to just, uh, trade for a goalie or no? So when Brossois got hurt, the initial... Uh, report from the team was that he was day-to-day. We've talked about it a lot with this team. Injury reports from the team, they don't really no, mean a don't whole mean lot. they don't mean anything. You know, you can't, well, trust, I mean, maybe that's a bad word, but you can't trust them. Right. So, if he is truly day-to-day, and he's on IR for his seven days, and then... Comes back. Is back... And they think that obviously the trade deadline will have passed by then. But if they believe he'll be back in the seven days, or actually I think it's five now because it's retroactive. And if they believe Logan Thompson is back with at least 10 games left in the season or something, then there's a pretty strong argument to not trade for a goalie because you could just say, yeah, we've got Thompson, we've got Brossois, and we've even got Aiden Hill and Michael Hutchinson, right? We've got guys that we can use there and the two that we like the most will be healthy and will be be back. back. But the information we don't have is how confident are they about those two coming back. And if Laurent Brossois is going to be out for... Two to three weeks. Right, and all of a sudden you're looking at two to three weeks worth of games with Aiden Hill and Michael Hutchinson. As the schedule gets tougher. With a fairly compact division where if you have a bad two to three weeks, you could go from first to fourth in the Pacific. Mm -hmm. That gives you a reason to trade for a goalie just for the short term to stay where you are in the standings. And then... More importantly, because I don't think they'll fall out of the playoffs, even if they have to play with Aiden Hill and Michael Hutchinson. But more importantly, who's going to be your best goalie in the postseason? And if you're not confident Logan Thompson's going to be back, and Laurent Brossois is, even if he's you're expecting him back in two weeks or something, Brossois, Hill, and Hutchinson Hutchinson as your three potential goalies, Ouch! I think I trade for one. If in fact you know Logan Thompson's right. on the shelf, I think I, I think I make the move for one. If I have any questions about where Logan Thompson's going to be in the, you know when we get to end of March into April, I, I think I'm trading for one just because I need I need to know I have something better than Aiden Hill. I think is is this is the ultimately the end of the day. I need to know I have something better than Aiden Hill to start Headed towards the postseason it, to start in the postseason, yeah. right? The two guys that are better than him are hurt, and I need to know I'm going to have something that's better than Aiden, Aiden Hill, Hill in the postseason. Because if this team starts a playoff series and Aiden, Aiden Hill, Hill is their goalie, goalie, 
Yeah. I'll have to change my mind on Seattle. Seattle might beat them. <laughs> Seattle can score. <laughs> That's the one thing they can do. So I it all comes down to the health of those two, and we don't actually know that. Right. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and trade for him. The other problem is there's not exactly a ton of goalies that are that are obviously better than Logan Thompson and Laurent Brossois. Right. Like, if there was a guy, like, I, Corpus Allos had a much better year than those two, which is why earlier in the week I said they should trade for him. But like, Cam Talbot, he's had a pretty good year, but he's not been a superstar-level goalie. He's been just kind of above average. It's a it's a tough spot to be unless there's an ap- absolutely good goalie out there they can go get. Well, and then if it's absolutely true that Logan Thompson's going to be out for yeah. the foreseeable future and he's not going to be back with 10 games left. Well, and the thing is, though, even if he is coming back with ten games left, how good's he going to be? Yeah. If he if if we're talking about Logan Thompson's missed, what would that have been? Almost two months. That have been two months. He might not come back yeah. and be great right away. And if you're if you're and if you're headed towards the playoffs, right. you're only eight to ten games out. then right. That's scary. Which is why, like, that's been my thing: is can he come back and get ten games in? Because then you'll probably feel a lot better about it. Whereas if he comes back. And, oh, he played in two regular season games, and then his third game is game one of the playoffs. You might not know what you have. It might be, oh, God, do we need to go with Aiden Hill or something like that? Because we don't know what we have in Logan Thompson. So it's an interesting spot to be because they're leading their division. They've got a real good shot to have the best record in the West, and they don't really have good goaltending. The good news is the Pacific as a whole doesn't have good goaltending. No, the Kings just made themselves a little better. Yeah, like... There's a legitimate chance Jonas Corposalo's the best goalie in the division now. Division. I mean, Logan Thompson was an all-star, right. and he hasn't even had like this amazing season. He's just been fine, but he was an all-star because the division doesn't have good goaltending. So, Aiden Hill might be the best goalie in the Pacific when right we get now, to the postseason. That's why he's starting the next two games. <laughs> Actually, Michael Hutchinson might be the best goalie in the Pacific. We just haven't seen him play he's yet. He's played more than Aiden Hill at that level, hasn't he? Yes, he's got he's got a much longer NHL career. Sure. Then I think, then I think all four or all three of the goalies that have played ahead of him this year. So maybe he's better than all of them. God, can you imagine Michael Hutchinson starting in the postseason and being good? Like, oh yeah, of course. Let me just throw in this Michael Hutchinson guy, and he's going to be better than. They better hope it's Seattle. Yeah, well, they can can beat these other teams. It's the Pacific. They're not very good. They'll be fine. It's no big deal. So. Goaltender questions. Always fun with the Golden Knights. Year one, they had to go through five goalies. Oscar Dansk had to play. Michael Hutchinson against Colorado in the first round. Ah, it'll go well for him. <laughs> Who who's fallen to a wild card in that scenario? The Golden Knights or the Avalanche? No, the Avalanche. Avalanche. I mean, because the the real scenario we've talked about it. If the Golden Knights are first, who's going to be the wild card team? There is a real possibility the Golden Knights could fall to a wild card spot. And then it would be Dallas or Colorado, right? Or whoever wins the Pacific, right? So they they could fall to a wild card and play Colorado in the first round with Michael Hutchinson in that. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Don Logan joins the show. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field coming over, getting under it, and making the catch for the third and final out to put the ball game away. The Marlins have done the job. They win this one 2-1. to one. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. <laughs> Joining us now, the president of the Las Vegas Aviators, Don Logan. Good morning, Don. Hey, Donnie. 
How's everything, fellas? What's going on? We're good. So you got to see a lot of what we're seeing in spring training last year. And I guess my first question is, how much are you enjoying watching major leaguers have to adjust to rules that you saw put in place last year with a pitch clock and everything else? Well, it's, you know, in terms of the, uh, I, I enjoy the fact that it's going to help the game move along. I think that it, it certainly brought attention to the game, which is good. Yeah, big league players, by and large, I think, you know, they, they're a little, they've got spoiled, which is probably the biggest understatement ever <laughs> through the years, but um, it, it's good, you know, it, it's good that the world that shit that you don't know anything in the last few years, you know, things change so you gotta adapt and you gotta move on and it was something that needed to happen, we needed to pick up the pace and ways to do it, you know I, I commend the commissioner's office for figuring out ways, I was uh, not re- I was skeptical at first on some of this stuff, but it's it's good, and I, I do enjoy watching it, and I, I think at the, in the end, it's going to help our game. Don, uh, they're probably being really, really strict in the in the spring training to get these guys used to it. How strict will they be in the uh, when, when the regular season starts? Well, you think you know we saw the other day, uh, strike three, uh, bottom of the ninth or top of the ninth, whatever it was. Yeah, will there be game. will there be any leeway? You think in terms of that, or do you think they'll be just as strict? No, I, I, again, it, I don't think you can. You know, rules a rule. You've got to. Now that said, it, it's kind of like uh, you know the block charge call in, the, in basketball. Sometimes they miss it, you know, that uh, that's part of it, you know, that as much as anything, the umpires are going to have to adapt as well. So it's going to be a work in progress. You're not going to just pull it off in 30 spring training games to where everybody's got it figured out and it's going to be, you know, implemented without a few bumps along the way. But I know I think it's, it's, it's going to be strictly enforced. Don Logan with us from the Aviators. So I'm, I'm curious, how often did you actually see a pitch clock violation last year? Because I feel like once we get into the regular season, I, I don't feel like we'll see a lot because guys will know what's happening and be aware of it. You know, it doesn't happen that much once the, you know, once the, everybody gets used to it. Honestly, the biggest thing that is the hitters jumping out of the box and uh, messing with their batting gloves. You know, that's one of <laughs> a friend of mine said that the thing that slowed baseball down more than anything was Velcro, and that, that's, uh, <laughs> that's kind of right on point. But, uh, you know, it, it, at our level last year, there was it was the umpire adjustment was part of it because you've got less experienced umpires who were trying to differentiate themselves. You know, the, I don't know if you, you saw, you know, there's a number of umpires that retired this year. And that was known last year. So all these guys that are right on the precipice of getting to the big leagues, which just like players, it's a, a financial windfall and it's a you know, life-changing uh, accomplishment. So they were all jarred up trying to not screw up. And you know, that, so the, the, the umpires missed a lot of it. But it, on balance, when it was called, it was generally the hitter's fault. Do you like that uh, a lot of these rules are proposed just to have more action in the game? Yeah, I think so. I, the, the shift, for sure. I, the, the shift had gotten out of hand. That uh, it's just something that you know, analytics allowed for it. That you know, gave data the guy got gave data that, that you know showed where the propensity of somebody to hit to be a dead pole hitter, which is pretty much what it is. And that's kind of the the way they teach hitting now is you know lean and launch. And, you 
know, everybody's trying to hit it four miles. And to do that, you know, it, everybody becomes a pull hitter. So I, I think it's going to definitely, the, the, the shift is the biggest thing. That's going to bring a lot more offense back into the game. I mean, you watch, I don't even know what the numbers are, but Corey Seager, the guy with the Dodgers, it's now with the Rangers. Uh, Corey Seager's, you know, again, he had a terrible knee injury, but uh, if he's back, he can win a batting title. He's, you know, he's a dead pole hitter. Only two guys being over there is really going to benefit him. Don Logan with us from the Aviators. So you guys have Big League Weekend this weekend, the A's and the Reds playing Saturday and Sunday out at Las Vegas Ballpark. Uh, do you guys still have tickets available for that? We do. You know, Saturday's going well. Uh, hopefully the this storm that's here right now is uh, it for a while. Uh, but, no, the weather's supposed to be great this weekend. Uh, Saturday is, is going very well. There are seats available. There's a little less, you know, there's more seats available on Sunday. But, uh, you know, we're, I think we should have eight to 10,000 people there on Saturday and uh, Sunday, probably six to 8,000 or, you know, Sunday can change that our market, as everybody knows, is last minute. Our world is last minute. So really, it's hard to predict anymore as much as you used to be able to. So Don Logan with us. All right. uh, We'll ask you this like we do every time you come on. Is there anything new that you know of about the A's coming to Las Vegas? Well, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion. I, I you know, I've been involved in a lot of those discussions. A lot of them have taken place with, uh, in the last bit of time. I, I, one of the things that the, the A's uh, had been told to do is they needed to wait until the election was over and uh, before they really began in earnest again. So there was kind of a lull really from last August through the first of the year, but there's been a, a a lot of activity, you know, you've seen some of it, Again, it's been reported. The, you know, the DAs really do want to figure out the best solution in Southern Nevada. Uh, it's one of the things that's, that, you know, nobody's going to say it, but the, the best deal in Oakland is just not a very good deal because Oakland, you know, there's a reason the Raiders are here now. There's a reason the Warriors moved across the bay to the city. Uh, it, it's just really... Uh, Unfortunately, for for a you know a great blue collar town, you know Oakland's just doesn't have the ability to, to support something like Major League Major League Sports. Period. So, I think you know John Fisher and his group are working diligently to figure out what the best deal is. You know, the Rio folks just jump into the equation. I think they jump themselves into the folks. They did contact them, but you know, there's interest like that again. So. Uh, you know, I would hope that something happens pretty soon. I think the, the fans deserve it. Certainly the fans in Oakland deserve it. The fans here deserve it. And, and baseball wants it. So I, I would expect a decision. You know, Hopefully, I was hoping by the beginning of the season, certainly maybe by the All-Star break, is more of a realistic uh, timetable. Don, have you changed your uh, mind as you look at the – I mean, you know this town as well as anyone. Have you changed your mind or have always stayed firm on how you think uh, a Major League Baseball team would be supported here? You know, I, like, I, I think I've been – you know, I've kind of modified it maybe, but no, I believe and I have always believed that, that we're, I, we're not a normal market because of the tourists. I think you go to a – uh, Raider game, it really proves that. I think, you know, the Knights kind of, 
Knights didn't want to have the visiting team fans for a while. They think, you know, I, I know that the Stanley Cup final, that the uh, Washington fans probably outnumbered the Vegas fans because everybody sold their tickets to them for a significant profit, which was you know, what you do. But this market is, is one where people are going to come from the visiting team's home and they're going to cover the game. And we play in series. We play in the summertime. When uh, it's good for Vegas, then things are slower. You know that hotels aren't as uh, they don't have the same a that ADR average daily rate in the rooms is less. Uh, it's just there's more things going on. People can go camping and do other recreational activities. So having baseball here in the summer is going to be good for the market. Uh, you know, there's there's just you start stacking it up, it, it makes sense. And you know the RSN part of it. I, I you and I have talked about this. Uh, the RSN. Uh, which regional sports networks, which we don't have here, mm-hmm. that uh, that that business model, that whole situation, really is is crumbled with the streaming and with the way broadcasting has evolved. So you look what's going on with Valley's right now. You know the the Knights are uh, they're they're losing their or their RSF. So it's uh, you know the, the everything's lining up to to really say you know Vegas is is a major league market probably for every major league sport. And, uh, you know, the challenge is going to be to, to sell the, the season tickets and the sponsorships and suites and things to the locals. But, you know, uh, that will happen as well. Well, he is Don Logan, Big League Weekend. Uh, this weekend, A's and Reds, and then March 18th and 19th, Royals and Rockies. Don, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks, Don. All right, guys. Thanks. Take it easy. Take care. So there's Don Logan from the Las Vegas Aviators. So he said in there he thinks there will be a decision by the All-Star break on effectively where the Oakland A's are going to play baseball in the future, whether it's staying in Oakland or coming to Vegas. I guess technically there could be another option, but those are the top two options. Are we going to get one by the All-Star break? I think we are. I think he's spot on in terms of a decision which which way this goes. So if they're going to move here... And we're going to have a decision by the All-Star break. Does that mean in the next, when's the, the All-Star break's in July, in the next four months, the A's are going to have secured public funding here? That's a great question. Or, because the, o- mean... the other possibility that's always been out there, but I can't, I, I've always doubted it would happen, the A's could move here and build their own ballpark. Sure. The A's could say, we'll do it ourselves. And if they ever do that, then welcome aboard. They'll play where they'll play wherever they want, because nobody's going to say no to somebody building their own major league baseball ballpark. So if they're going to come here and if Don Logan's right about a decision by the All-Star break, that means in the next four months, we're either going to have public funding to the A's or the A's decide to build it on their own. I don't think the latter happens. I don't either. So if they're coming here and it's decided by the All-Star break, we're going to have a lot of news in the next four right. months about public funding. And same can be said about Oakland, who has kind of agreed to some things, but they're pulling from like six different buckets to get right. money, and right. one of them didn't happen. So maybe there's a lot of news in Oakland in the next four months that makes that decision have you changed for your them mind as well. Because I, I have. You think they're coming? I think they're coming. Not until I hear where they're getting public money from uh, or... Hear Steve Fisher, I guess Dave Cobble would say it, say, we'll build it ourselves. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, John Fisher, making San Diego State's basketball coach the owner. (laughs) Well, he he would talk to the media. (laughs) He would talk to the media about it. (laughs) He was great about talking to the media. (laughs) Yeah, John Fisher or Dave Cobble. If one of them comes out and says, we'll do it, we'll pay for it, then yeah, I'll believe it then. 
But until then, I still need to hear, hey, we're getting so so much, so many millions dollars and we're getting it from blank. This is how it's going to happen. Because the Raiders situation took a long time for them for when they first came. The the first idea of the $750 million, it then took them, what, another year Mm -hmm. plus to get it actually approved from, from just not the start of the process, but just when they came up with we need $750 million and we want a room tax. It took like another year for that to happen. So I know I, I was up in Carson yeah, for a year. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Wait a minute! It just felt like that. <laughs> so I'm really curious to see if it happens that quickly in four months, and what happens here in the next four months, uh, or at least I guess technically it doesn't have to all to all be finalized, but you got to be pretty far in the process to, right, to, to announce that right. they're coming. Or at least say, hey, this is going to happen. Uh, Jared, on-air planning, do we have the same giveaways as yesterday? We have some Bonnie Raitt tickets to give away right Bonnie now. Bonnie Raitt tickets! If you want to go see Bonnie Raitt, you can win them right now. 702-364-1100. That is the phone number to go see Bonnie Raitt. She's performing at the Venetian Theater March 15th, 17th, and 18th. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number four at 702-364-1100. I'm not going to say we're going to win the World Series in 2023. I still believe that. I really do. And I don't think there's a manager that has a really competitive team that doesn't feel that way. Our guys feel that way. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Did Dave Roberts say it again? That they're gonna. That was no, Dave Roberts, he, right? Well, he yeah. said, "I'm not going to," but I believe it. Right? He said it again. He said, "I'm not going he to," but said I believe it again. He said, "Any manager with a competitive team would believe that." <laughs> it's sort of like whenever I want to. Sure, Bob Melvin thinks that. I'm sure Dusty Baker thinks that. Uh, it's like whenever I want to say a really offensive joke, I'm like, "Oh man, I almost said," and then I just say the offensive <laughs> joke. <laughs> Thank God I didn't, because he did it last year, right? No, last year he said we're going to win the World Series, right? And now he's saying it without saying he's couching it. it a little. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, all right, I got to give you uh, one thing from Dusty Baker, though. Jordan Alvarez has not swung a bat in spring training. He has a sore hand. Uh, Chandler Rome, who covers the Astros, uh, tweeted this out. This was a, a question and answer. Dusty, has he seen any additional specialist or anything regarding the hand? Dusty Baker responded, you know HIPAA, man. I can't tell you that. I love HIPAA. I don't have to lie. I just can't tell you. Is this what we get from the Golden Knights? I was going to say, don't tell the Golden Knights because pretty soon guys Kelly, will be Kelly injured. It's like, hey, you know HIPAA. They won't even be lower body or day no, to day or week to week. It'll just be HIPAA. HIPAA won't allow us. They are under protective rights with HIPAA. Dusty Baker said, I love HIPAA. <laughs> and I love DraftKings, who are our partners, who are really happy that we don't give any sort of injury updates that affect the lines. My my favorite part of this is Chandler Rome, who covers the Astros and tweeted this out. He quote tweeted, so I think it was the Detroit Tigers, some other major league team tweeted out, you know, this player is injured and the exact injury. Like the medical term for the injury. And Chandler Rome just tweeted, I guess this wasn't HIPAA. Well, <laughs> speaking of uh, Roberts, he gave the entire diagnosis on Gavin Lux's right. knee the day before. 
Tore his ACL. ACL, MCL. It's going to be a long recovery. He's got all these. He tore a couple other stuff. I mean, it was like, yeah, they weren't yelling about HIPAA. They were just saying this is what he has. Because the other thing that happened is Lance McCullers, one of the Astros pitchers, showed up to spring training and didn't start pitching because he had a sore elbow. And Dusty Baker... Got asked about it the first day, and then this, he, you know, he didn't really give an answer. But yeah, he's got a sore elbow, whatever. The second day, somebody asked for an update, and Dusty Baker told the media, "Don't make a big deal out of this." <laughs> the next day, Lance McCullers said, "I won't be ready for the start of the regular season." <laughs> I love Dusty. He would be. He's probably the next Golden Knights manager. Yes, exactly. not because yeah, you guys play hockey. Manager. Yeah, you guys play hockey however you want. I'm going to tell the media absolutely nothing, nothing about injuries. Injuries not going to happen, and I'm going to claim HIPAA. So, pitch clock related stories have been fun. We've seen a few more violations of guys not being in the box or pitchers not getting their pitch off. But we talked earlier this week about Spencer Strider, who pitches for the Braves, and he said that he was going to have a default pitch with his catcher. And so that if the pitch clock was running down and he just had to go, he was going to throw the default pitch. Luis Garcia, one of the Astros pitcher, pitched yesterday, and he struck Mark Kana out with a fastball. And afterwards, when he was was talking about the at-bat, he said the pitch clock was running down, and somebody asked, well, what do you want to throw him? And Luis Garcia said, a cutter, another cutter. And the reporter said, so you and Garcia cut him off and said, yeah, bleep it, fastball. Sorry <laughs> yeah. for the word, yeah. but you know. Yeah. So he just had a default pitch and just threw it, and it worked. He struck the guy out. So Hope the catcher knew. I wonder how many times this year... That'll happen, and also how many times we'll find out. Like afterwards, a pitcher will be like, yeah, pitch clock was running down. I really wanted to throw a curveball, but I couldn't get my grip ready in time, so I just hummed in a fastball. Well, don't ask Dusty. (laughs) Dusty, (laughs) do you know about the default pitch? I can't talk about that. HIPAA. 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 Oh, so there's Dusty Baker. There's your uh, spring training update. Nobody got hurt for the Dodgers yesterday, right? No, no one got hurt for the Dodgers. All right. It's good. Don't get hurt. So depressing. It is. Who's playing shortstop for the Dodgers now? Um, the veteran they got from uh, from the Marlins. Oh, uh, Miguel, Rojas. Miguel Rojas. The guy that's like not any good. Yes, who hits two thirty six. Oh boy. Yes, like something. How many good hitters do the Dodgers have? I mean, I think the hitting will be okay. I'm worried about the pitching. As well, usual. you're always worried about the pitching. I'm always worried about the pitching. <laughs> I'm just gonna finish third. <laughs> Okay, behind the, who? Padres and Giants. The Giants aren't good. Padres and Giants. The Giants aren't good. There was the MLB Network did their whole top 100 players, right? And the Giants, I think, had one player in the top 100. Jock? I don't even remember who it <laughs> was. It, it might have had zero for all I remember. They're not good. They're going to be fine. We got wrong two years ago. They're not going to be good again.